2 Peter chapter 3, we've been walking through the last few weeks uh, this entire book. In fact, uh, this summer we've actually been walking through, uh, going all the way back to 1 Peter. We've walked through every chapter, every verse, and today we bring that to a conclusion in 2 Peter chapter 3 with the understanding, with the idea that we live in a world today that's gone mad. In the last couple of weeks we've seen what's happened in Dayton, what's happened in El Paso, what happened not long ago in Parkland, other places around our country. The world has gone nuts. There is evil everywhere. People are on the attack. And if you are a person who claims the name of Jesus Christ, if you are a person who believes that Jesus died and that he rose again, I promise you, the world has you in their sights and they want to stop the message of the gospel. And I want to tell you today that we, as the body of Christ, as the family of believers gathered in this room, that we must do everything that we possibly can to never allow them to get a foothold against the gospel in our culture, in our city, in our world today. Because let me tell you, the gospel was true 2,000 years ago, and the gospel is true today, and it is the only hope for the world. And we need to be passionate about making sure that we are living for God, walking this thing out every single day. Now, I want to give you our, our key verses that we've been kind of focusing on over the last couple of weeks. Out of 2 Peter, it's actually in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. They're going to be here on the screen. And it says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness to the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. You look at that middle, uh, middle sentence there. It says, He's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, what that means is God has given to us, granted to us, He has faithfully lavished upon us everything that we need to know how to make it through life. And let's be honest, life's tough. Do you agree with me today that life is difficult? And whether you are uh, in elementary school or middle school or high school or whether you are in college or whether you are in the workforce, whether you are, uh, you know, maybe retired, maybe you're kind of on the latter part of the journey, regardless of where you are, life is difficult. And oftentimes we find ourselves in a situation, we wonder like, how am I going to make it through? What am I going to do? I don't know how to navigate this situation I don't know how to walk through this trial. I don't know how to, like, come out on the other side victorious because this thing is too big. It's too much. It's too difficult. And yet God says, I have given to you everything that you need to know as it pertains to life. God has given you everything that you need to know. You say, well, great, where is it? Well, here's a neat little uh, idea, kind of a, uh, you know, the Note version. He gave it to us in His Word. He gave us this book that we spend time studying and reading. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Man, dig into this book and you will learn far more than you ever could have imagined. How to deal with life. It goes on to say not only all things that pertain to life, but all things that pertain to godliness. Like, I want to know how to navigate life. I want to know how to get through the trials of life. I want to know how to make it through the difficulties, but I also want to know how to get better. Like, like I want to know how to grow in my walk with God. If I'm claiming the name of Christ, if I say I'm a believer, I'm a person who has believed that Jesus died and that He rose again, and I believe that with all of my heart, I'm a Christian. Listen, I want to get better in my faith, don't you? I don't want to sit there and just kind of flatline. I don't want to just say, man, I'm a Christian, and then just cruise through life waiting, you know, for the, for the end, waiting for heaven, you know, that now I've been promised heaven, so therefore I'm just going to live my life. I want to get better. 
And so God promises he's given to us all things that pertain to life, how to deal with stuff here, and godliness, how to be better and be more like him. And so that's what we've been talking about. And today we're going to kind of bring it to uh, kind of a conclusion here as Peter writes this passage in 2 Peter chapter 3. And the idea behind this passage is kind of a, a lead off of what Matt talked about last week. Man, we live in a difficult age. We live in difficult times. We live in, in tough situations. And the world wants to stop us. And in fact, in our faith and our walk with God, here's one thing that you've got to recognize right up front. Like, like right before we ever dig into this passage, as we begin looking at what it is that God wants us to see and, and what God wants us to, to, to know here, is that we need to know this. Is that in every situation, people will always mock what you believe. They will mock you if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, count on it, believe in it, know it, you will be criticized, you will be attacked for what you believe. And in our culture, it seems to be getting worse and worse. If you're a Christian, people make fun of you. If you're a person who says, yeah, man, I follow Christ, I go to church, people say, well, why would you do that? What is the point of, of spending time gathering together with other people, going to a worship service? Why would you do that? In fact, this passage, Peter writes here, he wants to make sure we get understand here. Look what it says in verse 1. Behold, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation." Now, let me tell you what that passage tells us. What that statement very clearly tells us is this, is that in the last days, which by the way, I believe that we're in the last days. I don't know how close to the last days we are. I don't know if it's going to be this afternoon. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be five years from now or 10 years. I don't have any idea like when the last day will be, but I do believe we're in the last days. And so Peter writes here, according to God's word, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter writes, look, in the last days, here's what's going to happen. People are going to show up, and they're going to mock you for what you believe. Man, you, you are a Christian, they're going to make fun of you. You go to a Christian school, man, they're going to attack. You go to a Christian college, why would you do something like that? Man, you show up at a church, man, there's lots of things you could do on a Sunday morning. Man, it's nice outside. You know, you could be playing golf right now. You could be going down to Waffle House and, and having coffee and eating a waffle this morning. Man, you could do lots of other things than show up in the church. You don't need to waste your time because, as this passage just told us, you've got to recognize, man, the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to return. He hasn't done that. It says scoffers will come and say, like, like where's all these promises that, that, that you've heard from God's Word? Where are all these things that you say you believe? Like, like, how has that happened? Because I don't see it, the mockers will say. The scoffers will say, man, this stuff that you read about, come on, really? Do you believe that? Is it really true? And so what we've got to understand is this. When truth is attacked, remember, always, always remember his words. His words that I will never leave you and never forsake you. His words that he loves you more than you could ever imagine. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, we might, we've got to hide God's word away in our hearts every single day. Because when the world comes after to attack us, we have to constantly remember what it is that God has said. The promises that God has given. And so you've got to remember his words. And you can't remember his words if you haven't read them. 
That's why I read the Bible every single day. That's why you need to be in the Bible every single day so that you have God's Word constantly filling you and and overwhelming you with that truth that you need when the truth will be under attack. And man, today the truth is under attack because there always have been those who dismiss the truth. And the one thing we've got to recognize this is there will always be more. You think it's tough today? It's going to get worse. You think you're attacked today for what you believe? Oh, just hang on, baby. It's coming. No matter where you think you are, no matter what situation that you think you're in, no matter how tough you think life is today because of your walk with God, I promise you, we talked about that back in the book of 1 Peter, man, there will be suffering and there will be problems and there will be trials and there will be tribulations and it will get worse and it will get worse and it will get worse. And here's the cool thing, and God will never leave your side. No matter how tough it might be, God will always be there side by side walking you through. And you know what God's Word tells me? God's Word tells me this, that His grace is sufficient for me. That His grace is sufficient. You sit there and say, man, I can't make it. Yeah, you can. You know why? Because God's going to get you through. Say, it's too tough. Matt, no big deal. God's right there. God promises no matter what you are facing, God is going to walk you through. And God will never lead you to defeat Think about that for a moment. God will never lead you to defeat. If God is leading you and you are following God, guess where you're always going to end up? There it is, victory. Somebody read the book. Victory. God will always lead you to victory. What a great promise that we have that we know that is exactly what's going to happen. So listen, recognize this, right? Like first point here, very clearly, people will always mock what you believe. Hey, here's the good thing that we got to remember. But God will never be mocked. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, you know what that verse says, right? Be not deceived. God is not what? God is not mocked. So the world attacks, right? The world comes after us. The world wants to stop us. And you know what the Bible tells us? Listen, let them come. Let them come after you. Let them come after him. Let them come after his word. Let them come after the church. It doesn't matter. Don't be deceived. Don't buy into their lie. Don't buy into the deception that Satan wants you to fall and be tripped by. Listen, here's the really, really, really good news. God will not be mocked. Because that verse goes on to say, that which you sow you're going to reap. You eat pizza every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you're sowing like a lot of calories, guess what you're going to reap? A lot of pounds, right? Am I right about that? Right? So whatever it is in life, whatever you sow, whatever you do, whatever you're constantly focusing on, man, you're going to pay for what you're doing. So the world's attacking, and the world's coming after us, and the world's coming after the church, and the world's coming after you. And God says, oh, don't, don't, don't worry. Because I got your back. I'm right there. You're safe. You're secure. Nothing's going to happen to you. You're going to be just fine. Look what it says in verse 5 and following. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, but being flooded with water. That's talking about Noah's flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. In fact, I would, if I were you circling your Bible, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day, the Lord is not slack according or concerning His promise. You can circle that too, as some count slackness. But as long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come 
to repentance. Now let me tell you what that means. If God said it, you can count on it. If God said it, you can count on it. I don't know, some of you might remember years and years ago, like I'm old, I'm 52. Back in the 70s, the Evie Tornquist, how many of you remember Evie Tornquist? Like these young people say, that's like, I don't I have no idea. Well, I remember that. She had a song, God said it, I believe it, that settles it for me. In fact, there was bumper stickers that came out back in the 70s and 80s, right? People had them on the car. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. The problem is there's, there's a massive doctrinal flaw in that bumper sticker. Because it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. God said it, that settles it, period. And so when you look at God's promises, when you look in God's Word, you find somewhere between, depending on which theologian you're kind of reading or studying, somewhere between 3,000 promises and about 8,000 promises that are found in God's Word. So like 3,000 to 8,000 promises in God's Word. And let me just tell you something. If God makes a promise, count on it. If God says it, count on it. Now listen, in our lives today, in our culture today, if somebody makes you a promise, you're not quite sure, right? Like you hope it comes through, and maybe you you know know that person, you like that person, you think that person's been a good person, but let's be honest, we don't really ever know until it happens, right? Because we're human, we're we're frail, we make mistakes, we, we blow it time and time again. And so oftentimes we promise something to someone, and we're not sure if, you know, it's actually going to happen or not. But, but listen, let me just tell you something. If God says it, oh man, if God makes a promise, man, you can count on it absolutely. God's Word is absolute. There's great evidence of the accuracy of God's Word. If you go back and look at the original manuscripts going all the way back of God's Word, a a book that was written over about 1,500 years by multiple authors, breathed out, inspired by God, you'll find that even today that we have over 25, 26,000 copies of the original manuscripts, pieces of those original manuscripts that go all the way back. And if you were to spend time studying what was written thousands of years ago, and you compare it to what we read in our hands and on our phones and our iPads today, you'll find that it is, I mean, so close, so accurate, like absolutely followed point by point. You know why? Because all through generations after generation, God has preserved His Word. And people have recognized that it's not like any other book, Hebrews 4.12, living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So people have been very careful to make sure that when I have a Bible in my hand and I hand it off to you, that that Word of God that I hand to you is exactly the same kind of Word of God, the same words that God gave to the original author thousands of years ago. Man, there's so much evidence of the accuracy of God's Word. Don't ever allow people to tell you, this book, it's not real. Don't ever let people tell you it's a history book. Don't ever let people tell you, well, you know, it contains some of God's Word, but man, there's a lot of like, you know, allegory. There's a lot of stories and not real. You know, let me just tell you something, buddy. Every word within the pages of this book were breathed out by God. It is accurate. It is inspired. It is infallible. And if God gave it to you, you can count on this Word. So stand on the accuracy of God's Word. So when the world's falling apart and the world's attacking, the world's saying, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And why do you keep believing this? Listen, you stand there and say, listen, I believe it because God very clearly said it. We have a clear call to trust His promises. We have a clear call to trust the promises of God. All through Scripture, we are told, listen, believe in His Word. Believe what he says. All through God's word, trust in him. 
Don't put your trust and faith in other things. Don't put your trust and faith in other people. Don't put your trust and faith in the world. Put your trust, your faith in God because he's the only constant. He's the only one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one that you can always depend on. So make sure you are trusting his promise. But as we read in this this passage when it said the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us that not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The idea that we get from that is this, is God's patience to act is not to confuse us, but to wait on us. To wait on us. Here's what God's waiting on. The Bible tells us he's not willing that any should perish. In other words, that means this. Every person who's ever been born on the face of the earth, God sent his son Jesus to die for. That means the people who live in Africa, the people who live in Asia, the people who live in Europe, the people who live in South America, the people who live in North America, the people who live in Antarctica, the people who live next door to you. God sent his son Jesus to die for them. And it doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter how much money they have in the bank account. It doesn't matter what car they drive. It doesn't matter what school they go to. We do not have an exclusive call on the hand of God. God's hand, God's love was poured out so that all would accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so the world says, yeah, but all these promises, I don't see that stuff happening. I, what do you mean he's going to come back? He hasn't come back yet, and that's been thousands of years. Here, God is waiting because he is waiting to make sure that we are responsible and we do what he's called us to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. To make sure that every person has the opportunity, the privilege of hearing this incredible message that today we've heard multiple times. We can never allow the gospel to be something that we embrace, that we accept, but then we hold on to tightly because we think it's ours. It is not ours. It is the world's. And we've got to go tell. We've got to go tell as many people as we possibly can because the world today is dying and going to hell. And hell is a very real place. Don't believe the lies of the culture. Hell is just a myth. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And God wants everyone to go to heaven. He does not want anyone to go to hell. And God has sent us to tell them. And so we've got to trust his promises. We've got to believe that he's waiting on us. And so we see in this passage, the reason that he's waiting on us is just simply this. The end is a reality. Look what it says in, in verses 10 and following. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat? There will be a sudden call, and it will all be over. The Bible says here in 2 Peter chapter 3 that he will come like a thief in the night. He'll show up when you don't expect it, and all of a sudden it will end. It will be over. The end is reality. That is why it is so important that we all have a passion to reach people with the gospel. This morning as I was driving to church, I came up on a situation, an accident, and I stopped, and I got out of the car, and I was talking with the individual, and I was trying to help this person. We talked for quite a while, had the opportunity of talking with him about the gospel, talking with him about the faith and, and Christianity. And Listen, I'm just telling you, no matter where you are, God will always puts you in places where you can talk about Jesus. When you go to lunch today, and you're sitting down at that restaurant, and you sit there and you order food, and that waiter brings it to your table, 
and maybe the food doesn't look right, it's not exactly the way that you ordered, and you get upset and get mad. Let me just tell you something. God has placed you there as a representative of Christ, not somebody who can go and treat that person like they don't matter. And by the way, if you go sit in a restaurant today, you better tip well, because I'm going to tell you something. The church gets a bad rap all the time, because we Christians go out and we sit there, and because we're godly, we give these little $2 tips inside of a tract. I'm going to tell you something. You ought to double tip. You ought to tip more. Why? Because we want to represent the love of Jesus Christ. And so if you're a server here, a waiter or waitress in one of the restaurants, let me me tell you something. I'm going to bat for you right here, okay? I want you to get a double tip. And if if this church doesn't double tip you, you let me know and we'll, we'll preach about it again. We'll do a whole sermon about tips here. But man, I'm telling you, we've got to be representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go because one day soon it will end. One day soon it will be over. So we have to live as if that day were today. We have to live as if that day were this day. So like right now, it is 10-12 on a Sunday morning. We have to live today as if sometime, maybe by 10-12 p.m. tonight, Christ is going to call the church home. The rapture will happen. And you know what that means? For the next 12 hours, man, we've got to walk with God. We've got to serve God. We've got to be the kind of people who tell people about God. We've got to be the people that that share the gospel wherever we might be, walking into the situations, praying that God would give us the opportunity, the open door. Look what it says in this passage, knowing that we're in those last moments and that it's going to happen where he's going to come as a thief in the night. So what manner of persons ought we to be? and holy conduct and godliness. Here's what we ought to be. We ought to be people that when they look at us, they see something that is different, but different and attractive. And I don't mean attractive by the way we look. I mean attractive by the way that we act. So that when people see you, they say, man, something's different about them. I like them. They're good. They're nice. They're kind. Man, I want to get to know them. You know what? When you act like that, you're a representative of the gospel. The converse of that is that if you don't act that way, if you're mean and rude and arrogant... If you're a person who doesn't care about other people, let me tell you what you're doing. You're being a bad representative of the gospel, and you are keeping people potentially away from eternity in heaven. And man, I don't want that burden on my shoulder. So man, live right. Walk with God. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. Because God is always faithful. Remain faithful because no matter where you are, no matter what you do, you can always count that God, he is a faithful, faithful friend. Verses 13 and following. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away by the error of the wicked, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Listen, you've got to recognize this. The world may mock, but trust Him anyway. We have to know His Word so we can stand on His Word. You can't stand on His Word unless you know His Word. If you stand on His Word, what will end up happening is this. When tough times come, you will know what to do. You will know how to live. You will know how to represent Him. 
When situations come up, when conflict arises, when people attack you, you will know how to respond to those conflicts, respond to those difficult moments because you have been filling yourself with the gospel, filling yourself with God's word, knowing what it is that God wants to say, knowing what it is that God wants to do, knowing how it is that God wants to lead you in those moments. And so when the world mocks, man, trust God anyway. Because at the end of the days, when, when, when the world ends, when the church is raptured up, when we are standing in the presence of God, here's what's going to matter. Were you faithful to Him? No one's going to ask if you were popular. No one's going to ask if you had a bunch of money. No one's going to ask what kind of car you drove. No one's going to ask, like, what kind of phone you have. No one's going to ask, like, kind of what watch you wear. No one's going to ask where you buy your clothes. No one's going to ask what your job title is. No one's going to ask what grade you got in English class or math class. No one's going to care. All that's going to matter is, did you trust Jesus? Do you believe in Him and who He is? And listen, if the answer is always going to be the affirmative there here, if the answer is going to be affirmative there, let me just tell you something. Eternity is yours. Trust Him anyway. The world may live differently, but always live for Him. Always live for God. No matter how bad things might seem, no matter how tough the journey might be, let's be honest, following Christ sometimes is tough. Man, keep following Him anyway. Man, God's poured out His promises. He's poured out His word. He's poured out His love. I'm just going to tell you something. I would rather spend the rest of my life following God in the midst of difficult times and conflict and trials and tribulation than to not follow God and have everything be smooth the rest of my life. You know why? Because I know this life is not all that there is. Because one day I'm going to die. Man, I hope it's, you know, 100 years old like George Rogers or maybe 97 like Kitty Crickenberger. Both of them were healthy right up into the last day. They were clear right up into the last day. Kitty was sitting there watching Bonanza the other night, went to bed and fell asleep and went to be with the Lord. That, that sounds awesome. Maybe not Bonanza. We'll find, pick a different show, but still... I mean, I, I hope I live to 100 years old or beyond. I mean, I hope I do, but I also know this. I could go get in my car this afternoon and drive home, and I could die today. And what I did on this earth won't really matter except for one thing. What did you do with the gospel? Do you believe that Jesus died and that he rose again? Do you believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him, as John chapter 14, verse 6 tells us? Do you believe that? And if you can say, yes, I believe that, I'm going to tell you something. The rest of life doesn't matter. Yes, you walk with God. Yes, you live for God. Yes, you treat others with respect. Yes, you're a good citizen. Yes, you, you be kind to all people. And by the way, Christians, let me just give you a, a quick little uh, hint here. It has nothing to do with the notes, nothing to do with the sermon. But listen, as a Christian, treat people who disagree with you politically as if they were your brother or sister. I'm sick and tired of Christians attacking people because they don't agree with them politically. I'm tired of it. So don't do that. They may disagree with you politically, but you know what they are? Christ died for them. And Christ wants them to be in eternity. Remember, we read it a moment ago. He's not willing that any should perish. Like the worst, most awful, horrible person that has ever been born, that has ever lived, Jesus died for them. And so, man, treat people with respect. Treat people with honor. Because you're representing Christ anyway. So that means when you're attacking people who disagree with you, guess what you're doing? You're giving a bad name to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't do it. Don't do it. Remember, 
Jesus came not to condemn. He came to save. He came to save. The other day as I was preaching Kitty Krickenberger's funeral, her granddaughter got up and read a poem that Kitty had written many, many years ago. I have no idea how many years ago, but there was this line in that poem that was like incredible. I mean, it's just like something just jumped out at me and I grabbed a hold of it because it's like the perfect picture. Not only the perfect picture of how we're to act, but it's the perfect picture of what Jesus did. And so in these words that she wrote, she said, our job as Christians is not to condone the bad behavior of others, but it is also to never condemn others. In other words, we don't condone, but we don't condemn. We don't give in and say, it's okay, live however you want to live, it's no big deal. We don't do that, but we also don't attack because they're not living for God. Here's what we do. We go in and we wrap our arms around them and let them know God loves you, and Christ died for you, and he rose again for you, and he wants you to experience the gift of heaven to share the gospel with them. Let me just tell you, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. The world thinks Jesus came in the the gospel, the Bible. They think the world, uh, the Bible, is an exclusive message that comes to try to make everybody feel bad. And that could not be a greater lie. I believe Satan is the author of that lie. That Satan has told us that the Bible is written and given to us so that we'd all feel bad about the way that we live. Absolutely not. The Bible was written, Jesus came to make us feel great because if we will believe in him and follow after him and do our level best, we won't be perfect, but man, we can try and do our best to live for him after we've accepted him as Lord and Savior. And here's what the end result will be. One day we will stand before God and God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that ought to be the passion, the heart, and the desire of every person in this room. And it starts with just simply deciding, I believe. Amen. So my question for you today as we come to the end of the book is just simply this. Do you believe in Jesus? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that it gives, the challenge that it brings, and Lord, the hope that it offers, because, you know, today what we've heard, yeah, man, we're, we're heading towards the end times. We know the end is a reality, but God, we can be encouraged today because you have provided a way that you, according to John chapter 14, that you've gone to prepare a place for us. And Romans chapter 10, 13 tells us that all that we must do is believe and that anybody who calls on your name will be saved. So God, I pray that today there will not be a person in this room who does not believe There will not be a person watching or listening today who does not believe that in this moment of decision, of commitment right now, that what we will see are people who decide, I believe in Jesus. And God, for that, we give you the praise. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing together as we come to the end of our service. Uh, At our services, we always do this. We always give people an opportunity to respond to to God's word, to respond to the gospel. And our team members are going to be here and and man, we'd love to talk with you. If you're here today, I mean, you're not sure. Like, like, I don't really know that I've accepted Christ. I'm not really sure what all that means. I'm not sure how to navigate all of that stuff. Listen, we'd love to talk with you. Our team is here, man. We'd love to have that conversation with you. And so in a moment when we stand together, I'm just going to ask you, wherever you are, step down, come down to one of these, these men or women down here. Just say, listen, hey, tell me about this whole Jesus stuff. Tell me about this gospel stuff because I, I want it. I believe it. If you're watching right now, Listen, do not allow this message to fall on deaf ears. 
man, give us a call. Send us an email. Write to us, whatever, so we can connect with you to share with you that Jesus is the hope for the world. And if he's the hope for the world, he's your hope too. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to make that decision, make that commitment, make that response. Maybe you want to come down here and leave a prayer request. There's people already doing that. We pray. We believe in the power of prayer around here. And so maybe you want to come down and just leave a prayer request. Our team will be praying for you. If you're watching again, leave a prayer request right where you are so we can be praying for whatever those needs are. Whatever, whatever we can do, man, we believe in the power of prayer. Jesus said, anything that you ask in my name, I will do. Man, we want to pray for you. Maybe you want to come and join our family here. Maybe you want to come for baptism. Maybe you want to come and just kind of talk about some issues that are going on. We love to talk with you. So right now, as we stand together, as we sing through one time, I encourage you, make a decision, make a move, make a commitment now that not only will change your day, but could potentially change your eternity. Let's stand together right now and sing. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves.